When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By the time the low-end theory came around, samplers couldn't hold all the samples that were the composite that made the song. So a lot of that stuff the guys actually conceptualized in their head without actually ever having heard it put together, which is really, really phenomenal. They deconstruct things in their mind and then reimagined and recombined in a way that never could have or would have been played by live musicians. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. In each episode, we'll dive into a little history of the artist and the album of choice, with snippets from interviews and concerts, as well as music from the album itself. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis, and we're covering a tribe called Quest today. I'm fucking stoked, dude. Yeah, I don't think I've been more excited about an episode, uh, maybe ever. I mean, really. Yeah, seriously, because this is our first time to talk about rap and hip hop, yeah, a, a genre that really I my my exposure to it is so limited that like now that I'm sort of you know getting into it a little bit, like I'm realizing how fascinating the history of rap is, like, like the history of hip hop, and just how amazing and incredible these pioneers of of, of rap music were, you know? Yeah, dude, it's just amazing. I'm I'm with you, man. Like. I mean, you're, you know, we can never be too late to the party, you know? Yeah, I was 29, maybe, when I got into hip-hop. Like, when I say hip-hop, I'm talking about, like, diving into old-school hip-hop. You know, yeah. like, like checking out the origins of it. Because, I mean, so, for us, the music that we grew up listening to, the hip-hop that I knew was what was on the radio. So, we were familiar with Eminem, um... Early well, I 2000s think, I think, Busta Rhymes. I mean, here, here's the thing. So, like, I was actually thinking about this. Like, what I was trying to figure out what what our first exposure to rap was, and I think it must have been that song that we had on cassette tape. Um, oh, whoop! Dude. There it is. Yeah, that's our first exposure, man. And that was that was early hip hop. That was early. Who earlier. who was that? I think Spencer had. Well, who who was the artist? Yeah, I have no idea. Let's let's look it up right now, dude. Ta- I, you it, know dude, it, you're gonna remember the name because they say it in the song. The artist was called Tag Team. Remember they say Tag Team back again. 
Yep. Came out in 93. But the reason I'm curious is because, I mean, other than that, we were brought up on rock and roll, uh, classical music, just, you know, yeah. just by hearing it, and then like movie soundtracks. Those are the kind of things that, that our father would listen to, and that's that's the music that we were brought up on. So that's why my guess is that by the time we became like of age, when we were paying attention to music and stuff, like you were saying, uh, hip hop had changed and rap had changed uh, quite a bit. Like the landscape and the things that they were singing about and rapping about had changed from from the significantly. 90s. They dude, were talking, you know, about it was more like the club type stuff, you know, like uh, it's it's getting hot in here. Take off all your clothes and all that kind of crap. Which, but dude, I I am getting a little bit too hot. I think I am going to take my clothes off. What are you talking about? What, dude? <laughs> Are you saying it's hot just, in your in your in your studio? Oh my god, bro! I was just quoting the rest of the song. You said it's getting hot in here. I'm going to. Oh, dude, that's right. I forgot that she on, said that. Brother, afterwards. my bad. God damn! I mean, I knew you were making a joke. It just obviously wasn't very funny. Yeah. Well, I am getting too hot. I'm gonna take my clothes off, dude. Yeah, exactly. So that's what yeah. we had. I'm keeping that in, by the way. <laughs> but like, I, I guess my point is like. There was nothing lyrically that I could connect to. Yeah. Being from the lower middle class upbringing that we had, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I th- maybe that's why we were never interested in it. And, and we didn't have anybody to introduce us to this older stuff, this the more classical hip hop and rap music, you know? We just didn't yeah. have it. So that's the excuse I'm giving myself, at least. And we were just too, too interested. And too infatuated and in love with rock and roll, which is fine. But I'm 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 happy that that I'm finally circling back around, and and giving rap and hip hop, like the attention that that it deserves, you know. Yeah, and like you said, it's never too late. Um, so, uh, Tribe Called Quest. I'll name off the roster real quick, and then we'll get into it. So, Tribe Called Quest consists of MCs Q-Tip. He was also like the main producer. We've got Fife Dog, and then originally we had Jerobi White, who shows up on their first album. Um, and then alongside those three, you had uh, DJ and co-producer Ali Shahid Muhammad. Um, that's a tribe called Quest. So for this episode, I kind of want to just dive into that era of hip-hop around the time that they burst into the scene, maybe a few years before that, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll build from there. So their first album was called People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. came out in 1990. So this is right smack dab in the middle of the, quote, golden age of hip-hop, characterized by its diversity, innovation, and influence on the genre as a whole after its emergence and establishment in the previous decade. I'm, I'm reading straight from Wikipedia. So the golden age was around the mid to late 80s and the early 90s. So the previous decade being the 70s, that's when hip-hop emerged on the scene. Um, what makes hip-hop different in the mid to late 80s uh, it became a lot more experimental and a lot more 
artists were sampling from old records um, and sampling in general. That's when it started to get heavily used, you know, um, which is cool. You know, a lot of artists who, you know, thought, hey, I, I can get it into hip hop, you know, I can do this. They weren't necessarily um, formally trained musically uh, or they didn't have the means to be trained musically um, or to, to, to play an instrument. But if they had a good ear for sound, you know, they could just sample music from the records that, that their parents had. Well, that's you know, the thing. And go from there. So that's what I like about the history of these pioneers is just how, you know, it seems like with rap and hip hop, the barrier to entry is so low because literally all you need is your voice, you know, as yeah. far as like how you, you get your name out there and how you potentially get started. There's this quote from, uh, and I don't know if have we mentioned that, that uh, series on Netflix. No, but yeah, but let's go ahead and do that, dude. So there's a series out on Netflix called the hip hop evolution. Is that right? Yeah. Hip hop evolution. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot about the history of hip hop and rap through this series. And they had just a ton of interviews from, from well, let's give a shout out to the, to the main guy. Okay. Um, the guy who's doing it. Yeah. His name is, um, the name he goes by is Shad or Shad. Uh, he's also a rapper and, and producer. He has uh, a few albums himself that are really fucking great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, um, there's this quote from this guy. His name is Lawrence Chris Parker. He went by KRS-One, and he was part of the Boogie Down Productions. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about them, dude. So, K, you know what KRS-One stands for? I do, but not off the top of my head. <laughs> it stands for Knowledge Reigns Supreme over nearly everyone. Well, there you go. So Damn. you gotta have that. You gotta have that attitude when you go into this. Kind of stuff. <laughs> Anyway, so he had a quote that I really latched onto. He talked about, and sort of an anecdote that he shared. He said, "You know, to survive in the hood, the average person on the street had a rhyme, because your, you know, like your credibility and your reputation was tied to it. If somebody walked up to you on the street and said, you know, spit a rhyme at me, and you didn't have anything, like your reputation is done. You know, like yeah, it seems like." You're like, I think it seems like everybody knew it too, like in the hoods, like this is your chance to get out of the hood is like, you know, through rapping, through entertaining. And he, he even talked about how like, you know, he, he got some attention from like a social services worker because he was homeless. And, you know, the, the, the worker asked him like, Hey, what do you want to, what do you want to do? Who are you? Like, what do you want to be? And he said, he wants to be an MC and whatnot. And he like, you know, gave him like a, a line, like, you know, and then the yeah. guy said, Hey, I'm. I'm, uh, what's that guy's name? The rock guy. Dwayne Johnson. No, motherfucker. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not Dwayne the rock. The, the guy that he was partners with. Yeah. Scott, uh, Scott, Scott LaRock. LaRock. So uh -huh. Scott LaRock, that was his social worker. And he, he took him to the club that night. Cause he said, Hey, I'm a rapper, whatever. So anyway, they're there and you know, they're kind of like competing with these other guys or whatever. You know how they did these rap battles, right? Yeah. So anyway, he basically said to these guys, like he, he put it this way, like the, his, his bread was on the line as in like, he said, y'all look like y'all ate today. Y'all look like you had breakfast and I didn't, I slept on the train today. And if I win, I don't have to sleep on the train anymore. There's nothing you can rhyme or say 
they can take away my hunger. As in like, that's what these guys, you know, that's, that's how seriously these guys took their craft, you know, their, yeah. their, their rap and the way that they were, you know, throwing, throwing these, these words together and these rhymes together. It's like, this was their ticket out. You know what I mean? And that's why I, I find that fascinating. You know, you really didn't have to, like you said, you didn't have to be trained in this. All you got to do is, is, is be lyrically, you know, be able to string some words together and tell a story through your, yeah. your rhymes and like be able to think on the spot and stuff. And like, you could, you could make it, you know, you could make a record and, and, and become successful. Yeah. And we're focusing mainly on, um, the hip hop community in New York, uh, in the mid to late nineties, or I'm sorry, in the mid to late eighties, which I guess, you know what, dude, at some point we need to do an entire different episode, um, on West coast hip hop. Cause it, because there was shit going down on the opposite end of the country around this time. I mean, we could even talk about the Ghetto Boys, man. Those guys are from the South. We'll talk about some Texas rap. Those guys are from uh, Houston. All right. Okay. The Ghetto yeah. Boys, are, we all know Ghetto Boys. If you've seen The Office Space or the movie Office yeah. Space, like that's the that rap in the very beginning that that guy is, is uh, the character. I got my pistol point. Con- exactly. The guy that. The, 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 yeah. I don't he, even know exactly what he's when, saying. Yeah. When, when he's in his car and he, <laughs> yeah, rolls he up turns his it down. Whatever, turns it down. Yeah. But anyway. So, you know, you're talking about these rap battles. Um, and there was a nightclub called the Latin Quarter in uh, New York City, right downtown near Times Square. Um, there's a guy by the name of Paradise Gray, who was the, quote, mover and shaker of the time. He kind of just had his, his ear to the ground. Um, he knew who was coming up, you know, like he, he, he just knew everyone. And um, I think he was also a promoter, too. Yeah, he was a promoter for the club. So, you know, if if you were worth your dime, uh, you know, he would, his ears would perk up, you know? Um, and I, I kind of want to focus on, um, we, we mentioned briefly KRS one and, and Scott LaRock. Um, so these guys formed a group called boogie down productions, uh, with another DJ by the name of Derek D nice Jones. Um, their debut album, which came out in 87, uh, it was called Criminal Minded, and it's considered a classic of uh, of, of hip-hop in the golden age. Um, the reason I want to focus on these guys is uh, specifically Scott Sterling, Scott LaRock, and what happened to him in 87. Uh, so he uh, was shot to death in, in New York. His friend, D-Nice, who's also part of the group, uh, was assaulted by a couple of men uh, because apparently D Nice had been talking to one of their ex girlfriends, ex girlfriends, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know they confronted him about it, and uh, later D Nice you know asked Scott it, you know if he could maybe help him try to defuse the situation. So later on that same day, uh, Scott LaRock and uh, D nice and a few other people in the group, uh, all head down to, uh, uh, the hybrid homes, which is this projects, uh, building in South Bronx where the, the two guys lived. And, uh, the whole point of heading there, uh, was to diffuse the situation, you know, but because they, they rolled up with so many people, 
those guys were threatened and they were driving in this Jeep that had a fiberglass top on it. Um, and as they were leaving, uh, shots were fired through the side and through the top of the Jeep. So because of that fiberglass top, uh, those bullets got through and Scott LaRock was hit in the head. Uh, it kind of like grazed his ear or something, uh, but he was critically wounded. And they drove him to uh, the nearest hospital, which was less than a mile away. And he died in the operating room within an hour of being shot. So this was just five months after the release of Boogie Down Productions' first album, Criminal Minded. Um, that was kind of a big deal. It sent shockwaves through the hip-hop community in New York. Um, Scott Rock was one of the first guys you know that was kind of in the spotlight in hip-hop at the time uh and he got he got shot there was kind of a ripple effect throughout the hip-hop community at the time um and they all just kind of had this like sense of urgency to do something about the violence that was going on within their own community yeah this this seems to be something that uh that has kind of repeated itself like you know, when you look back at the history of of rap, like talking about, uh, you know, Biggie Smalls and and and, and, and Tupac. Tupac, you know, yeah, it's yeah, it, it happened. It seems to happen a lot, like within the community itself, right? Um, so that same year, KRS One, who again is is uh, one of the founding members of Boogie Down Productions, uh, he formed the Stop the Violence movement. Uh, and in hopes of encouraging the hip hop community uh, to end the violence that was being committed on, on themselves. Um, and he brought together a bunch of East Coast hip hop rap stars uh, to record a song about anti violence. And it was called Self Destruction. And um, I got a little clip here from the Hip Hop Evolution series. Uh, it's KRS One, he's kind of talking about it. And we've got a clip from the song itself, too. When we put the Stop the Violence movement, it was to directly affect the existence of hip-hop. Hip-hop is not about the promoting violence. That's not where hip-hop comes from. Hip-hop is about peace, love, unity, having fun. Today's topic, self-destruction, humiliate the rap audience is bugging. It's one of you suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. Let's come to the show to unity. We know exactly who we are. This is what it means to be conscious, to be awake, to be aware. Leave the guns in the crack and the knobs alone. MC lights on the microphone, bum rushing and pushing, snatching and taxing. That was monumental. That was a switch in hip hop that ignited that fire inside of us. What can I do to change these horrible circumstances for our people? So. Um, dude, wa- watching that episode and hearing about this for the first time, uh, I just did so much respect for these people, you know, like they, they recognized the problem and they realized how big of a problem it was. And they immediately, f- they, they grouped together. I know that they had a lot of meetings at the Latin quarter, you know, with, um, Paradise Gray and a lot of the, of the other really important people within the community you know, and they talked about and brainstormed ways ways that they could change this. 
and you know releasing an uh, an entire song with with a bunch of stars from the east coast the entire song is about you know respecting each other and embracing their heritage you know like right. focusing on their african heritage um and and just standing strong together and and trying to to put an end to the violence i i, I just have so much respect for that yeah you know especially since like you said they're embracing their their heritage you know they're, yeah they're all you know in it together and it seems like there's a that kind of theme with like like i was talking about earlier it's like hey we we're all recognizing that this is a way for us to to get out of this uh this environment that that, that we're in as far as like the violence and whatnot and so when we're and this is again like we have to preface this by saying that like i have no no real history with any sort of an upbringing like this so i have to be careful when i talk about stuff like this to not sound completely ignorant right but like what i'm saying is like it sounds like they they acknowledge the fact that our circumstances are shit you know mm -hmm. there's violence and stuff around us so when we start to perpetrate that violence on ourselves right like they they, they acknowledge how how counterproductive that is and how um, absurd that is really and that's what it seems like these movements kind of come out from that right it's like we need to stop uh you know killing ourselves here and like band together embrace our heritage like we're in this together let's let's make something positive out of all of this right and like we need to be more than just the the culture like you know like we've got this hip-hop movement and it's this whole culture but like we need to we need to be we need to rise even above that and and use this platform to showcase our heritage um, a lot of people in, in the community at that time started to take on African or Islamic names. Um, they really started to flex their consciousness. They would start wearing Zulu beads and African medallions, and they would shame anyone in the hip hop community who wore gold or, you know, like excessive jewelry. And see, um, that's the funny thing you said right there. Like that obviously flipped again by the time that you and I oh were my Oh, dude. We're, we're, we're paying attention to rap and stuff. And that we was just... In middle school or whatnot. That wasn't was, even 10 years later, dude. Right, exactly. It was It was all they rapped about was the cars they drove, the jewelry they wore, uh, and it's, the it's money the they same, had. It's the same now, man. Right, exactly. Now, I mean, I also, again, want to be... Try to think about what why that is. It's like, you know, they're celebrating the fact that once again they have escaped their circumstances that perhaps they grew up in and whatnot. That's why they uh, rap about all their possessions and stuff. It's like, Hey, we, we, we made it, you know, we did it. Yeah. You know, I think about the same thing with um, professional athletes, you know, you right. go, you go, you get right out of high school. You've never been um, financially independent or, you know, you've never had to, live on your own with you know within your own means right and you get handed millions of dollars you don't know how to what to do with it so you yeah. just spend it all and you show it off um you know but but it's you know these these uh hip-hop artists during this time were very conscious about you know the impact that they that they could have uh, like the positive impact that they could have uh you know if, if they were more conscious about it um so out of this movement comes the native tongues, 
and that is a collective of artists that had their main focus was on positive-minded, good-natured, Afrocentric lyrics. So they were closely tied to the Universal Zulu Nation. That is a it's an international hip-hop awareness group um, originally. And that was founded by Africa Bem- Bambata. I was going to say, like, I recognize uh, the words Zulu Nation from mm-hmm. that song Planet Rock. I'm sure he, he probably drops the name elsewhere, but I was listening to some Africa Bambata stuff. Yeah. And the song Planet Rock that he talks about Zulu Nation. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Bambata was an MC. He was a singer songwriter. Uh, he heavily influenced uh, the culture of hip hop in the early 80s. Uh, you know, so anyone coming up in the in the mid mid late mid to late eighties, early nineties knew who Africa Bambata was, and a, there's a there's so many lyrics in in uh, Tribe Called Quest songs uh, where Q-Tip sings about Africa Bambata. Yeah, he's. I mean, he says his name explicitly. Yep, and and several times in uh, Low End Theory. Um, so Zulu Nation now, or just the word Zulu. Uh, now is more just of a general term for positive-based hip-hop. And basically their whole thing is, is you know, promoting that, that hip-hop itself, the culture, the music, is created to provide peace, love, unity, and, quote, having fun. That's what they were all about around that time. They, they realized, okay, hip-hop is, we're, you know, we're getting out of the streets and we're starting to, you know, have an effect globally. Let's try to make sure that that we're you know promoting this positive way of of living you know peace love unity yeah because they were fun. they themselves were ambassadors of their people their culture you know yeah yeah so the native tongues consisted of the Jungle Brothers De La Soul and a tribe called Quest and you said as well that you, you said Queen Latifah was also part of that right right yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to dive too far into these individual bands, um, but I do want to focus a little bit on the Jungle Brothers before we land on A Tribe Called Quest. We're getting there. Um, so Jungle Brothers, they are the first group that did the whole, quote, pro-black thing without being too preachy. And with, uh, you know, and having fun with it at the same time, um, you know, so there were a lot of groups out there that were promoting this you know, Afrocentric way of doing things in the hip hop community, but they were like really strict about, it. you know, like, like, like we had said earlier, you know, like they would shame you if you wore gold jewelry, but they were almost not violent, but you know, like. Like they weren't having fun with it. They 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 didn't they they weren't able to connect uh, with with the masses. Um, Jungle Brothers were their first their first group to do that. Um, not only that, but uh, their first album called Straight Out the Jungle, which came out in 1988. So again, this is one year after Scott LaRock died. Um, that album was quote the blueprint for hip hop going forward. It was jazzy and it was quirky and it, you know, it totally went against the grain. After that album came out, the stage was, was set for hip hop groups to engage with jazz 
Um, so, you know, at the very beginning, we talked about how, you know, during the golden age of hip hop, a lot of these artists started to heavily sample uh, music and they would sample old records, you know, uh, you know, whatever, whatever their parents had in, the, in their, at their houses, you know, they would grab those records, take them with them to the studio and uh, figure out creative ways to, to loop those beats and, and uh, those know, hooks and trumpets and, and saxophones. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, you know, it made the hip hop around that time, very, you know, very eccentric and it kind of like bridged the gap between generations. Um, a tribe called quest was one of those uh, bands um, specifically Q-tip was really, really creative in, in his use of sampled music. That's another um, thing that really grabbed my attention. I, I think I always knew that hip hop and rap sampled stuff heavily. But when I heard Q-Tip talk about like, and maybe we're jumping the gun here by by saying this quote, but he was saying that um, because they didn't have that um, that background or they weren't that you know they weren't brought up with musical instruments, they didn't really know how to how to play. It's like these records that that their fathers' records, their parents' records, became the session players for them. Yeah on yeah. the low end theory record. And I you know, I just I love the idea that like they you know, the they're they're gathered around, they're going through their dad's records, or at least Q tip is, and like listening to their parents' music and and, and you know uh, clinging on to that kind of stuff and then bringing it with them into the studio. It's like they're bringing their parents' uh love and passion for music with them into the studio as they're making music, you know. I, I love that. Really cool. Yeah. I love the idea of that because the you know, we can relate to that, you know. As far as like how much of a we used to go through our dad's records too, you know? All the time, dude. Yeah, and I'll I'll loosely quote Q tip. You know, this is pretty much what you're saying. So so he says a lot of kids who come up doing hip hop are doing so with the only tools that they had. Um, all we had were records. We're making do with what we have. So we take these turntables and they become our instruments. Yeah, um, I love it. And yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to play another clip uh, real quick from, um, uh, this is Al Shahid Muhammad, who again was a co-producer in these, with, in these records. Um, he, he kind of, he talks a little bit about, about sampling these old jazz records. When a lot of these records were created, there were so many limitations and restrictions on their life. So the only opportunity that maybe an artist had to completely express themselves without being smacked over the head and thrown in a jail just for feeling was when they got in those records and they played. You know, so if you hear a Lee Morgan, there's so much in every note and the melody, the grace, the freedom, there'd be a few notes and there'd be the space. That's jazz. So good, man. Yeah, I love it. So, um, thank you, everyone, for getting through this with us. We're like over 30 minutes in and we finally reached our first song. So, I wanted to play the first track on uh, a tribe called quest's first album people's instinctive travels and the paths of rhythm um mainly just to focus on q-tips lyrics 
because it kind of goes back to that Afrocentric, you know, Zulu nation way of communicating with, with their audience at the time. So this song is again, track one off their first album. It's called push it along. A brother who ain't dissing, slinging this and that, cause this and that was missing. Instead, it's been injected, the tribe has been perfected. Oh, yes, it's been selected, the art makes it protected. Afrocentric living, Africans be given a lot to the cause, cause the cause has been risen. Some brothers they be flamming, thinking we ain't slamming, coming off like the days when we used to wear the Tanzan. A blue collar talker, hemisphere stalker, a glass of OJ and a 10 mile walker. If you're in a deep and you dig what you're hearing, can I get a beep and a side order of cheering? I am what I am, that's a tribal man. We all know the colors, we all must stand. As we start our travels, things they will unravel. Case sera sera for this unit is like gravel. Won't be gone for long, listen to the song. If you can't pull it, all you gotta do is push it along, push it along, push it along, yeah, push it along. Man, that is crazy, dude, because as I was listening to that drum beat, I recognize that drum beat from a from a song from a, like a, a trip hop song that I'm familiar with that I used in one of my mixtapes on for for no uh, for new dust back in the day. Really? Yeah, and I looked it up and 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 like like that was the song. Like I I, I remembered well, it correctly. It was this this guy called DJ Cam, mm-hmm. and the song is called Mad Blunted Jazz. Like the drum beat was just instantly recognizable to me. So anyway, that's just crazy. I I love how. I love how that shit happened. So that song came out in '95. So it makes you wonder: is was DJ Cam sampling that drum beat because he too came across it and realized it'd be a good drum beat for his song, or did he sample it because he's paying homage to tribe? You know? To tribe, yeah. It makes you wonder. Yeah, I just love I I, I love the idea, and and you were saying this too earlier. Um, how you know an entire genre spawned from. People who didn't have the means, you know, they, they, they didn't grow up, you know, in, a, in an environment that allowed them to learn instruments, but they realized, oh, I can manipulate these sounds and loop them, and all I need is a turntable, you know, and I can take these old records and I can, I can make new music out of it, uh, you know, and that's still, that's still happening today. Yeah, it goes back to our conversation about, um, about dub early dub music and we talked about this on our tosca episode on our sidetrack for the tosca episode yeah uh, we talked about her early dub artists like you said it's what they had available to them it was a turntable and a, a collection of records and you could make music on on it and i think i think rap comes from that because then they just started to rap over it you know right same thing but now we're rapping on top of it yeah so I'm I'm not going to read the lyrics. You can look it up, you know, but but I'm I'm sure you heard, you know, he talks about Afrocentric living. He talks about the quote cause uh and and that cause being risen, you know. It's all about the that you're just they're just right smack dab in the middle of that of that movement. Um and to put all this in perspective, dude. 
So again, this album came out in 1990. Guess what the number one song in America was in 1990? I know what the answer to this is, dude. It was it was Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Which is funny because he sampled the David Bowie track, right? The 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 Queen, the Queen David Bowie song, um, yeah, Under Pressure. So it's like everybody was. I mean, that's what they were doing. So it's not you know, it's not like Tribe was the first to sample music. Uh, no, but the, the reason I wanted to bring up the Vanilla Ice was number one is that like, I'm not going to pull it up, but like, what what were the lyrics in, in Vanilla Isis? You know, in, in Ice Ice Baby, what were those lyrics? They were probably super shallow and and pointless. And, you know, bands like Jungle Brothers, A Tribe Called Quest, and De La Soul, during that same time, they were doing the same thing, you know, but, but, but their lyrics were meaningful, you know, and... and and it was a to- a whole different side of of the hip hop coin. Um, People's Instinctive is just a really fun uh, debut. It- it's really great. So um, shit, man, we need to <laughs> we need to get into low end theory. Let's do it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So um, this was released in September of ninety one. So just one year after uh, People's Instinctive, and. Um, I mean, from this point on, really, we're just gonna play the tunes, you know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna focus on the on the lyrics and play the tunes, you know. I think we've covered enough history. Um, I mean, look, I, I think it was important for us to to spend some time on this. Like, like we said, this is our first discussion about this on this podcast. So obviously, we can't cover the entire history of hip hop and rap in you know thirty minutes. But hopefully, this just gives some context and or some context into why tribe was so important yeah and and really for us dude i know you're in the same boat what i love about this style i guess of hip-hop and and hip-hop around this time was the those heavily sampled jazz uh beats yes, and absolutely and, man. and saxophone and you know like that's kind of what got me interested and in, like that was kind of the, the same my, my foot in the door was through the jazz samples absolutely because i dude. love i love i love down tempo i love trip hop yeah, and I I love you know blurring these these genres and like they like they they had said about you know the golden age of hip hop. What made it so special was that it was you know kind of bridging bridging the gap between generations, you know. And like you said, these artists, the, these guys were just pulling records from from their parents' collection, bringing it into the studio with them. Exactly, I, I love I love that. Like you said, it's like it's the it's bringing in the previous generation's music into their own music. I just, I love, I love that. Yeah. So Q-Tip solo on, on the first track on low end theory, he kind of introduces himself to, um, it's really cool. So I only have one clip for this one. Uh, it's track one on the low end theory. It's called excursions. Back in the days when I was a teenager Before I had status and before I had a pager You can find the abstract, listening to hip-hop My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles Way the Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael It's all expected, things are for the looking If you got the money, quest is for the booking Come on, everybody, let's get with the fly mode Still got room on the truckload of black gold 
listen to the rhyme to get a mental picture of this black man with black woman picture. Why do I say that? Cause I gotta speak the truth, man. Doing what we feel for the music is the proof. And planet on the ground, the act is so together. Bonafide strong, you need leverage to sever. The unit, yes, the unit, yes, the unit called the jazz is delivering each year. LP filled with street goods. You can find it on your rack in your record store. If you get the records, say your thoughts are adored and appreciated. Cause we're ever so glad we made it. We work hard, so we gotta thank God. Dishing out the plastic, do the dance till you're spastic. If you diss, it gets drastic. Listen to the rhyme, cause it's time to make gravy. If it moves your booty, then shake, shake it, baby. All the way to Africa, aka the motherland. Stick out the left, then I'll ask for the other hand. That's the right hand, black man. Only if you are noted as my man. If I get the credit, then I think I deserve it. If you fake news, don't fix your mouth to word it. Get in the zone of positivity, not negativity. Cause we gotta strive for longevity. If you buy chum, what's in that? What? A pair of Nike size oh, 10 oh, and a half. I mean, yeah, he even shouts shouts it out to his father, you know, he talks about uh you know, my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, don't you know that things go in cycles? I love that idea, right? So he just said like, hey, he's he's basically what we just talked about. How like things go in cycles, like yep. rappers from that generation were borrowing samples and stuff from jazz records and old bebop records and stuff. So, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's he cool. tees the, it up for us right there. Yeah. The first line back in the days when I was a teenager before I had status and before I had a pager, you could find the abstract, which was another uh, nickname for himself. You can find the abstract listening to hip hop. There you go. Yeah, you know, he just grew up on it. Um, and that's another thing too, like him and Fife go back to childhood. They were they were childhood friends. Apparently um, they went to church together, grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah, and they, and they were, uh, you know, rhyming together since they were kids, like literally since they were kids. This has been an a dream of theirs, like a, a vision that they, that they've been striving towards since they were kids. Well, yeah, apparently they had rap demos when they were 11 and 12. <laughs> yeah. That's so, I, th- I think it was, uh, they had demo tapes. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Jerobi that was quoted, uh, talking about that, uh, in the hip hop evolution episode. Like, yeah, like they had a manager when they were like 13, they had, they released their first demo and well, teenagers. yeah, they, you know, they went on to say that they were already in those circles, like from, yeah. from early on, getting their music listened to and getting feedback and, and critiques and stuff from from people from all the the big names. You know, that's probably how they got into to the Native Tongues Collective, just because you know, I mean, part of it was because, like he even said in this song uh, about uh, positivity, yeah, get get in the zone of positivity, not negativity. Oh, shit. <laughs> get, get in the zone of positivity, not negativity, because we got to strive for longevity. So just like we were saying earlier, it's like this is this needs to be positive because, you know, we're looking long term here for what what we want hip hop and rap to be about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't play it in that clip, but verse two, um, it, he says, we're on these excursions. So you must realize that continually I pop my Zulu shit. If you don't like it, get off the Zulu tip. You know, so it's like saying, if you're not part of the Zulu movement, if you're not if you're not part of what this movement stands for, then then fucking you can't claim to be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't wear the Zulu beads if you're not part of this movement. 
Um, and then a few, a few verses down, uh, he says, especially if you rhyme, you have to live by the pen. Your man is your man, then treat him like your friend. All it is, is the code of the streets, so listen to the knowledge being dropped over beats. I fucking love that line, dude. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about how different the sound of this album was, because apparently this this uh, this album uh, just sounded different than, than anything else that had been done at the time. And apparently they went into the making of this record wanting to make it sound like something that hadn't been heard before. And uh, the guy that that we had a quote from in the very beginning of the episode that introed us in was the sound engineer for this record, Bob Power, right? Yeah. And he talked about in the Hip Hop Evolution series about uh, the challenge that was kind of brought to him uh, by Q-Tip of basically like the challenge being how do we get the kick drum to have that huge presence but be able to hear everything else clearly at the same time. So basically, and I don't remember... I guess it was, uh, what, what was the other guy's name? The guy that talked about them having demo tapes. Oh, Jerobi. Yeah. So apparently, um, uh, uh, Jerobi was saying that at that time, like subwoofers and stuff in, in cars were starting to become a thing. Yeah. So you really had to, to like, the goal was to take advantage of those subwoofers and stuff. And as Bob power said, like the goal was to shake the Jeep. Quote yeah. Unquote. Yeah. Shake the Jeep. I, I like, like that. that quote, shake the Jeep. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was the goal of this thing. And like, when you listen to the record, that kick drum really is just front and center, you know, but, oh, yeah. but it doesn't, it doesn't overpower everything else. Yeah. And, uh, I think Q-tip also like says, you know, that was one of the main things for us was that, that, you know, low end sound, just be, you know, being able to shake the Jeep was that, that was a, a main focus for them in their sound. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Q-Tip was kind of the, uh, he, he was obviously the mastermind behind everything and he was a, uh, a perfectionist yeah. on, on these records. I mean, it, you know, to go back to Radiohead, it sounds like he is, he's the Tom York of the group for, for sure. Oh, right? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Like he would come into sessions that, that they had been working on previously and just kind of scrapped the whole thing because he had a, a better idea in his head or something like that, you know? Yeah. And they learned to go with it because if he, if he scrapped something, chances are that, that, you know, something even better was, was coming down the pipes. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. So one more thing before we move on to the next one, cause I want to, we're talking about how, how crucial these jazz samples were. I wanted to mention every sample, or at least the ones that were, that have been noted on whosampled.com, which is a, Tremendous resource. But anyway, so for this song in particular, Excursions, the bass line is a song by Art Blakely and the Messengers called A Chant for Boo. The drums, uh, a group called The Shades of Brown. The song is The Toil I Tilled for You. And then I guess we didn't get this far, but um, unless you have a second clip. No, I don't. Well, there's this vocal track that comes in. Yeah, at the very end. Like, yeah, so that's a that's a that's a musical track. It's it's from this group called the Last Poets, and the song is called "Time Is Running Out." Yeah, and and that um, the sample lyrics in that are is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, so the so that sample says, uh, "Time is running out on black power advocates in the day and white thighed supporters at night." 
Every time you see them, they're chasing some white woman with their tongue hanging out. Time is running and passing, passing and running, running and passing. Yeah, it just it just kind of fades out with him saying, time is running and passing, passing and running. Yeah. All right. So that's, we, we did it, dude. We got, we got to the low end theory. Um, yeah, we got to one song. We got, <laughs> we got, we got to one song. We got three more. Um, so one change up in the band between, uh, people's instinctive and low end theory, Jerobi white leaves the group. And, um, that's, you know, mainly because he really didn't provide much in their first album. You know, he, he, he was, he was part of the group, but he really didn't flex his muscles, I guess. And he was just kind of more of a, like a, what do you, what, what's the word? Like a hype guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a no hard feelings kind of thing. Um, so then you just got Q-Tip and Fife. A big difference between these two albums, um, you know, Fife just gets better as a, as an MC, as, as a, as a, as a, a rapper, he just kind of steps up, you know, and then you've got this really cool back and forth with Q-Tip and Fife and their songs, you know. Uh, so I'm going to quote someone here. I don't, I don't, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I read this in an article somewhere. I really liked it. Uh, they say Q-Tip's voice is simultaneously nasal and perfectly pure, and it might be too smooth for its for its own good. Five Dog's voice works to balance the smoothness the way a bite of bacon can balance the sweetness of maple syrup. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, and let's just, you know, kind of take the mo- take a moment here. So Five Dog had diabetes. Uh, he was diagnosed in the 90- in 1990. Um, he would refer to himself as the funky diabetic he passed away on March 23rd of 2016 uh, due to complications with, with diabetes. So Five Dog's gone. Um, since then, they've released one album, uh, which is actually phenomenal, dude. It's it's called We Got It From Here. Thank You For Your Service. came out the year that Five passed away. Um, and they... Yeah, and let's just mention it came out in 2016, so it's relatively new. Yeah. Yeah, so again, that was the year that Five died. Um, and there's actually uh, Five's, Five's recorded and, and you know, he, he spits some rhymes in this album. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so so he's he's gone. But, you know, there's just this really, this perfect balance between the two of them as MCs together. They're, they're just a powerhouse, dude. Like, there's just something about, like, with Five Dogs lyrics... Um, you know, they're super, uh, you know, fun and goofy and he rags on himself a lot in his lyrics. Uh, so the, the next song I'm going to play is track four. It's called butter. And, um, five is pretty much front and center on this one. So apparently Q-tip planned for this song to be a back and forth, like a mic trading session, quote unquote. Um, but five wanted the track all to himself. And so he... He actually he won that fight and um, Q-Tip pops up in the chorus, but otherwise it's this is a five track. So uh, again, this is track four. It's called Butter. Nineteen eighty-eight senior year. 
Darby High. Where all the guys were corny, but the girls were mad fly. Lounging with the tipster, cooling with shot. Scoping out the honeys, they know who they are. I was the B-ball playing, fly rhyme saying, fly girl getting, but never was I sweating. Cause when it came to honeys, I would go in a stroke. Until I met my match. Her name was Flo. Yeah, I messed around with the one called Flo. All the troopers round the way used to call her a hoe. But deep down in my heart, I knew that Flo was good to go. Cause I thought it was me, like Belle Biv DeVoe. But little did I know that she was playing with my mind. The only thing I've learned is good girls are hard to find. I feel like heavy D, I need somebody for me. Not someone whose mind is blank and trying to juice before my banks. Swinging with my main man, lucky behind my back. What type of crap is that? Yo, how's about a smack? Word life, I can't front. Thought I was all that. But now it seems I've met my match. I was a stone cold lover. You couldn't tell me that. Settling down with one girl, wasn't trying to hear that. I had Tanya, Tamika, Sharon, Karen, Tina, Stacy, Julie, Tracy. Used to love them, leave them, skeeze them, tease them, find them, lose them, also abuse them. My whole attitude was new day, next hunt. And believe it or not, they all got done. But here comes Flo with the crazy whip appeal. And I'm all too man, like Alexander O'Neill. Is this really love? Then again, how would I know? After all this time, trying to be a super hoe. She finally played me, but yo, I'd find another. Cause I've got the crazy game, and yo, I'm smooth hey, yo, like butter. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. 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 It's like butter. It's like butter. So, right there, that saxophone. Uh, that you're hearing in the background that, that Q-Tip is rapping over. It's a song uh, by Gary Bartz called Gentle Smiles Saxy in parentheses. And what's funny is like you can hear another vocal track that Q-Tip is singing over in addition to that sax, and that's also on that record. Hmm. So it's like they couldn't split the sax from the, the vocal track on that sample so it's just thrown in there so that's gary bart's vocals interesting uh, in there as well I didn't, even, I didn't even notice that yeah there's a couple other samples in here uh the main hook and riff that you're hearing in the beginning is a song called young and fine by the weather report and then the drums throughout the track is a song by chuck jackson called i like everything about you so if you go back and listen to the, it's 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 kind of interesting to go and listen to these songs too because yeah it, it gives you a, a clue into the type of music that was just laying around the house, you know, when Q-Tip was growing up. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, in their first album, People's Instinctive, um, Fife wasn't really front and center. You know, like he, you know, he, he just wasn't in the right mindset. Like he just didn't care so much, you know. He was, quote, having fun and chasing girls at the time. And Q-Tip you pulled him aside he says, yo, <laughs> that's what it said. Uh, you know, I'm about to start recording this next album. I want you on a couple of the songs, but you have to take it serious. Uh, and Fife kind of took that in consideration. And um, along with the, the last couple of shows that they did for their first album, he realized, okay, hey, this, this could be a serious thing. You know, so Q-Tip wanted Fife along along for the ride the whole time you know again these these guys have been friends since since they were kids you know they they grew up together um, yeah so i i think it's cool that you know q-tip is the is the main man Q, q-tip's the tom york of the group or you know right or the, or the brit daniel but you know he he didn't want to do this without five i think that's great um you know and, and they're uh 
vocal interplay, you know, is, is, is what made them so memorable. All right, so we've got another couple songs to play. And uh, Travis, we're doing verses from the abstract mainly just because you you really really wanted to do this one. I love this song, but but you you know we're texting we were texting back and forth for this episode, and you said, "Man, I fucking we got to do verses from the abstract." Yeah. So so what I liked about this one is you know with all these tracks that that have the bass uh, the bass line, the drum, and and like other musical instruments that are on the track are actually just sampled uh, jazz records. Uh, this song has both a a bass player in the studio that gets a shout out toward the end of the song and uh, a female vocalist in the studio as well. So her name is uh, Vinya Mohika. She, she's on a, a De La Soul song. She's on a Jungle Brothers song. So they're bringing her in um, because of her, you know, her, 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 her background. You know, she's just, you know, basically it sounds like you know, she she was she was one of the native tongues. Um, she she was in that collective, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, she's just making her mark on 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 their record as well. You know, cool. I don't know if she had her own stuff. I mean, she probably did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She she uh she had a couple of singles. It looks like she was mainly uh threw herself onto uh to 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 these records with um with with various groups from the from the native tongues collective. So anyway. And I also, I just like the, uh, it's it, like the beginning of the song kind of has like this sort of like, just, it sounds like Q-Tip is just kind of talking. Just in talking into the mic. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's hear it. Yeah. So this is uh, the next track right after Butter. Uh, it's track five. It's called Verses from the Abstract. I had a dream about my man last night <laughs> and my man came by the, the studio and his name is Buster Rhymes in effect. Shahid is in effect. Fife did all is in effect. Check it out and give me my spec. I'm moving, yes, I'm moving because my mouth is on the motor. Use the coast in the morning to avoid the funky odor. Can't help being funky, I'm the funky abstract brother. Funky in the sense, but I play the undercover. Once had a fetish, fetish for some booty. Now I'm getting funky in my rapping, that's my duty. Brothers tend to jock on a style in particular. If you got the ego like some brothers, then I'll get with you. But if I don't pursue, then I just don't give a f My motto in the 90s is be happy making ducks. Girls love the gym because it causes crazy friction. When it goes up in, it fluctuates the addiction. I still understand the oof because that's what I'm at for. I'm hooked on the swing, so just call me the music core. Women love the voice. Brothers dig the lyrics. Quest the people's choice. We driving for the spirit. If you can't hear it, then get the wax utensils. Write my rhyme straight up. Don't get with no fancy stencil. The rhymes be getting sweet. We stay away from taught. A perfectionist at work. Working up the art. If you want to battle, I suggest you check your clock. Your demise is coming up, and I want your man to watch. Be the prime example, a deeper still the sample. Insignificance, here I place you on the mantle. Born up in Harlem, reside now in Jamaica. The girl I used to rock, her mom's was a Quaker. And what does that make her? The evil money taker, the crazy move faker. I use that to break her. Fife is in the house. Uncle Mike is in the house. Bob Power is in the house. Tim Latham is in the house. Wise Men is in the house. The Brand Noobs is in the house. The JBs, they in the house. And Jay La, they in the house. I'm 
must regroup my thoughts and kick the next ones for my people. Please don't be deceived by the ugly sights of evil. The world is kind of cold and the rhythm is my blanket. Wrap yourself up in it. If you love it, then you'll flank it. Don't move to rebuttal. Wave your hand for action. Some women in the 90s want more than satisfaction. They want keys and G's and all those illy things. If you want to, I'll show you just what the app can bring. I keep a tight net with my brothers Ken and Kenny. If the question is the rhymes, then I'll tell you I got plenty. The thing that men and women need to do is stick together. Progressions can't be made if we're separate forever. I hope this funky beat with the loop and the feature is the funky singing by Miss Vinny or Mojica. So listen because the quest is... Yeah, so you just, it faded out on that last line, but, but he says, my people have been oppressed too long. No more will we be down. So again, like, it's about, it's about uh, escaping, uh, you know, their circumstances. I feel like that's a lot. It seems like with these early rap records, and it happens still today, like a lot of times it's 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 this collective effort, you know. Yeah. Like he's 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 dropping all these names. He even says Dela's in the house. Yep. He he, he gives a shout uh, out. To, he to, says br- uh, the the brand noobs, which is brand newbian. Yeah. Yeah. I I just like the 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 line. Uh, you know they they started to flex their consciousness. Uh, in the golden age of hip hop, and I I pulled that from um, from Paradise Gray, that that promoter from um, the Latin Quarters. Um, yeah, man, that's what that's what it was all about was was just uh, you know lifting up their people. Yeah, and it seems like it's also like all these name drops that happen in these rap songs. I think it's done from a place of like, let me make sure that I that I put get your name on this track so that you can get the credit. And the, so you can get the recognition. Yeah, you know, because like, I, like I, I wouldn't be here without you. Yeah, and and that's why he he credits uh the the female vocalist. He says her name, and yeah. then later on he he says, uh you know, shout outs to uh he says thanks a lot Ron Carter on the bass. Yeah. Yes, it, my man Ron Carter is on the bass. Like and then Ron Carter is even he even does this little ditty on the bass like with the name drop you know yeah that's cool and so he, like, and he, and he he shouts out Bob Power you know the guy right, the exactly. guy that, that mixed mixed their first three albums exactly so it's just he, he gives a shout out to Uncle Mike too uh, I looked into this oh yeah Uncle Mike is um, Ali Shahid's uncle Ali Shahid Muhammad uh, apparently uh, Ali Shahid Muhammad's first DJ experience was uh use, he was using uncle mike's turntables uh at, at a party and they recorded their first demo in uncle mike's basement so it's fucking That's great man. man this is what i like about it is that when you when you read the lyrics and when you research all of these name drops it's like they are telling you the history right here you know yeah they're saying here's how we got here and i i, I just love I, I love it because you know with with rock and roll, you know, it seems like the lyrics are are less about the 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 band or the history of the group or you know, when when did you ever hear a Zeppelin song or something like that reference, you know, a blues musician that they that they came from, the you know, that they borrowed from? Almost never, dude. Never. Or or just like a shout out to the producer. Like on yeah. like it just doesn't happen because no. rock lyrics are are are, are more they're just not they're, they're more uh i don't know it's just it's just not about that because well dude let's just it, put it this way dude it's a different I, context i've never read the lyrics to a rock song and 
knew for sure, oh, they're singing about this is a legit thing that happened to him. Like every time with a rock song, it's like, okay, they could be, they could literally just be making up a character and writing about a scenario that's happening to a fictional character just for this song. Never have I listened to a a rock song where I knew for sure they're doing a shout out to an actual person or they're singing about things that actually happened to them. It's almost, it's, it's like with comedians. Yeah. Who knows if, if the jokes that they're telling are based on true experiences or not. They they make it seem they you know it's first person, but you never know if it's it's uh, an actual experience that they've had. And yeah, for sure they don't sh- they don't give shoutouts ever. Uh, yeah, exactly, and, and that's what I appreciate. I mean, they might do it like almost like uh, ironically or something like that. Like, yeah, uh, you know, um, I think I think I think Leonard Skinner uh, essentially references Neil Young uh, in I think they say his name straight up actually in in sweet home alabama or something like that but that's because that was their that was them reacting to southern man or something like that the the neil young but anyway like that that's what i'm i'm starting to appreciate and and love and respect about this early rap and hip-hop is that they are telling us their story yeah i love it it, it's great um now there's a, a sample from heat wave in this song right right yeah so let me let me just say that real quick the two samples in the song because you know i said earlier that the bass and the female vocals are not samples. Those people are in the studio, but, uh, and he made sure to call them out. Like I said, yeah. um, and then, but there are some samples. The drums, uh, are sampled from a song called upon this rock by Joe Farrell. And then the sort of that almost like a, it almost sounds like a guitar strumming in the background mm-hmm. is a heat wave song called the star of the story. Yeah, dude, I mean, just real quick, man. That's, that's my favorite album of, of heat waves. It's called central heating. I know you're as big a fan of Freaks and Geeks as I am, dude. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, I got in the heat wave because on on the final episode in the in the series, it's called Discos and Dragons. Uh, fucking what's his name, dude? Uh, Jason Jason Siegel's yeah. character does like right. a yeah, it does like a rollerblade disco dance off, and <laughs> a song called "The Groove Line" is playing uh, from that album. Yeah, dude. I love I love finding out that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, man. All right, so this is this is lengthy, bro. We got we got ourselves a long ass episode, but we're done. This is the last song we're gonna play for you. It's all about the lyrics again, dude. I love the lyrics in the song. I love the whole concept behind it. You know. Yeah, it's a it's a fun song. The execution, man. it's it's cool, dude. So, um, it's only two and a half or so minutes long. We're just gonna play the whole song. So. Here is track 13. We're jumping down a few a few a few songs. Uh it's called What? They're looking for excuses, game for the buzzer who kicked it to the mooses. Lame as a brain could be golly gee. If you see a shrink, he'll charge you a fee. If you see me, you see the fee is nothing. We will feeble patience, all backs, no fronting. What is a party if it doesn't really rock? What is a poet, all balls, no cock? What is a war if it doesn't have a general? What's Channel 9 if it doesn't have a senior? What is life if you don't have fun? What is a what if you ain't got a gun? What's Ali without Shaheed Muhammad? Nothing. Kapelka makes you vomit. What is the quest if the players ain't willing? What is 
as a pence if you don't have a shilling. Excuse me if I'm chilling. Hey, what? Say what? What's a fat man without food in his gut? What's a childbirth without the umbilical? What's United Parcels without the deliverer? What's Mama Son without Papa Son? What's martial arts without Daniel Son? What's Rashi without Tanya Tamika? What's Orange Juice a Dougie Doug without Shaniqua? Nada, 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 not a damn thing. What's Duke Gellatin without that swing? What's Alex Haley if it doesn't have roots? What's a weekend if you ain't knocking boots? What's a black nation without black unity? What is a child who doesn't know puberty? What is my label when I exit womb status? What's menage a trois? Or that is, what is sex when you have three people? What are laws if they ain't fair and equal? What's Clark Kent without a telephone booth? What is a liquor if it ain't 80 proof? What are the youth if they ain't rebelling? What's Ralph Cramden if he ain't yelling? At Ed Norton, what is Coke snorting? What is position if there is no contorting? What is hip hop if it doesn't have violence? Chill for a minute, Dougie Fresh said silence. What is a Glock if you don't have a clip? What's a lollipop without the good ship? What's S&M if you don't have chains? What's a con artist if he doesn't have brains? What's America without greed and glamour? What's an MC if he doesn't have stamina? What's Music Factory without Mr. Walt? What's True Glory without a phrase called talk? What's Chris Lighty if he wasn't such a baby? What is a woman if she didn't say maybe? Maybe lay down, I remove the frown. What would be my penal core if it wasn't brown? What is a paper without a president? What is a compound without a element what is a jam if you don't spike the punch what's a brewski if you don't bite brunch Ooh, it's like that you keep going freak freak y'all cause you know that we showing what to go 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 what oh man that's good dude there's no point in even diving into these lyrics just so much but, but I love it. Is worth reading this song in its entirety, man. It's so cool. I, I just love the uh, chill for a minute. Dougie Fresh sheds silence. Yeah, and then there's the entire. It's like entire a four measures. second pause. Yeah. Man. So like you know, that's that's ballsy putting this <laughs> four silent pause in your song where not, there's nothing but complete silence. Plus, isn't Dougie Fresh? He's a rapper, right? Dougie Fresh, yeah, dude. He's uh, isn't he the guy that. He plays a character in Fresh Prince, dude. Him and Will Smith rapped together. I hope I'm right in that, dude. I think, I think, no, that's Jazzy Jeff. Oh, shit. Jazzy Jeff. Jazzy, <laughs> Jazzy Jeff, I think. Yeah, but what's funny is you, you, you mentioned Fresh Prince. Like, I guess that's kind of another... We talk about exposure to hip-hop when we were young. Like, I think Will Smith was probably an exposure, too. I think Spencer had Big Willie style. I'm oh, pretty man. sure he had that record, didn't he? Yeah. Well, dude, and you know what? I, I can I can sing the entire Fresh Prince theme song. Yeah, dude, from getting, start to finish, getting jiggy with it. Men in Black theme song that was all on Big Willie Smith. Anyway, the uh, sample, the main sample that you hear in that song is a song called "Uncle Willie's Dream" by Paul Humphrey. So if you like that little funky kind of like uh, bing, bing, bing. guitar thing there, yeah, dude, it reminded me of a. Uh... What is that song, dude? Oh, uh, Superstitious by uh, yeah, yeah by Stevie Wonder. I thought that's what they sampled. Yeah, from, that's honestly. the same style. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that he kind of uh, popularized that sound. That sound, yeah. Um. Okay, so that's it, dude. Let's fucking wrap this up, man, because people are tired of listening to us. I feel like I, I think one of the reasons we're also going this deep is because I feel like we're both sort of diving into this genre at the same time here and, and yeah. learning all of this stuff like within the last 
few months. Well, for me, it's it's the last couple of years. Yeah, but I didn't dive into it like this. Yeah. All right. So to wrap it up, I think I'm just gonna play um, a little bit of Heat Wave from the song that they sampled uh, in verses from the abstract. So thank you as always for listening. Um, hop on our website, nofillerpodcast.com. We've got our show notes there for every episode. Um, there you'll find, you know, more information if you're looking for it. A lot of times we'll post videos and, uh, you know, other links that, that we think you might like Uh, until next week. Why don't you hop back and listen to some of our older episodes? We got like 60 now, dude, or probably more than that in total. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you take a peek? We're going to fade us out today with, uh, a song from central heating Heat Waves 1978 album. Nice, dude. Um, yeah. So this, again, was sampled in uh, the song Verses from the Abstract, which we played earlier for you. This song is the star of a story, and uh, we'll shout at you next week. My name is Quentin. And my name is Travis. All right. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 